0: Hello and welcome to this podcast called Expansive Evolution with Emmy. I am a 2-5 splenic manifester and I'm sharing my deconditioning journey with using human design on this podcast. It's a chance for you to learn about 2-5 splenic manifestors, but also perhaps learning a little bit about yourself as well. In today's episode, I'm talking about playfulness. It's a theme that's really been coming up for me lately because I was exposed to some teachings from a human design teacher about how one of the lesser talked about and one of the lesser known characteristics of the two-line and of a splenic authority or the defined spleen is playfulness and humor. I think that having You know, the two-line, for those of you who don't know, is known as the hermit in human design. The two-line is a naturally gifted characteristic, whether that is in an artistic talent or a scientific mind, or in how you may just quickly understand concepts or see the world in a particular and unique perspective. The two-line can naturally and quickly and easily pick that up. It just has a knack for certain things. And so... With the two lines, sometimes you'll get invitations to come out and to share these natural talents. People will be able to identify these talents in you. You generally have a hard time picking up on these talents yourself. And so for me, I certainly still have sometimes a hard time knowing exactly what my talents are when it comes to seeing and understanding things. I know that I have more hard skills that are more easy to pick up and identify, But when it comes to those perspectives and understanding concepts, I know that I'm, I know that I can pick up some things quicker than most, but I don't quite know what it is or what I'm doing in order to do that. And so those are the characteristics of a two line, you know, really in the most of its life, the two line wants to be a hermit, wants to be left alone, does not want to be interrupted, wants to spend their life you know, in a laboratory or in a cabin in the woods, really just honing in on their craft. They feel fulfilled by working in their craft, um, spending hours getting lost in time in that activity, refining those skill sets, refining their theory, you know, refining um, whatever it is that they're passionately diving deep into that seems to be naturally coming out of them and they're just improving upon it continuously. And so... With that element, sometimes I have felt in my life that when I do get called upon, I take it very seriously. And as a reminder, I'm a 2-5. So, you know, the 5 line is a different type of projection that gets called upon um, that has grave consequences. And I think that the 2 line has a bit of a less Uh, deep or intense consequence attached to it. But I feel like I've approached these invitations or I've approached life in general in a very serious tone. And I've had, you know, I mean, I do have the gate of depth. I do like going deep into a topic if I'm going to understand something or learn something. I want to understand the depths of it. It doesn't mean I understand or I want to understand all of it but I want to understand the deepest parts of it. I think I have a bit of a theory that if I can understand the deepest parts of it and the deepest underlying principles and context behind something, then I'll be able to quickly and easily understand everything else about it. And I don't feel the need to understand all of it. And I think understanding all of it might come more from a one-line perspective, Um, but I don't have that as a predominant energy in my chart. So, you know, the seriousness that I've really filled a lot of my life with, I think has just added on to these splenic fears as a splenic authority. You know, I do have fears around am I good enough? Is this going to be meaningless? Is this pointless? Is this going to have the impact that I wanted to have because I'm a splenic authority. I do think often about the impact that I'm leaving. And so When it comes to the seriousness, I think it has prevented me from actually going after the things that I want or saying yes to opportunities that may have been great opportunities for me, but I have said no to them because I thought I'm not good enough. This is too serious and scary, and so I'm not even going to try it. Or what I think really the crux of this, this is is that as a two-line, I'm afraid to even hone in on my talents or work on my skills. Like I described earlier that that hermit wants to do in their laboratory or in their cabin because I'm so worried about it not turning out good. And so, you know, one of those things is singing for me. I've been singing since I was a baby and singing lessons. I think I've only taken like choir for a year or two in college I've never taken private singing lessons. I've always wanted to, but it comes naturally to me. You know, my parents sing, my sister sings, my family sings. And so I think we have it in our family and yet I haven't actually honed in on this skill set other than just singing at home. Um, But even that, you know, sometimes I'll go months and months and months without singing, like really, really singing. You know, I'll hum and whistle a lot, but I don't really sing sing and I think that's because I'm afraid of like what if I'm actually not as good as I want to be and so I come with it with such seriousness and I find that actually when I first discovered this characteristic about being playful as a two-line I thought oh my god I think that's the key because as soon as I'm actually playful with my talents I just love my talent so much more. And then I'm far more likely to actually play with it and experiment with it and probably hone my skills in it. You know, and I allow myself to laugh at myself, find what I do silly and hilarious and ironic. Then I can laugh at myself and just have a lot of fun with it. And whether that is like even my social media, even this podcast, with dancing, with singing, it could be anything, you know, as soon as I approach it from a place of playfulness, I'm not as serious about it, I'm not as scared about it, I'm not as worried about, oh, will I not be good enough? And I think that talents are meant to be played with, right? Like, when you are gifted with something and talented with something, and if you didn't get the chance to make a ton of mistakes by playing with it, then you're probably, one, not gonna improve upon it, and two, you may hate it, or you may grow to hate it or resent it. You know, uh, growing up, I started playing tennis when I was six years old, and I eventually started doing competitive when I was 10 years old. So from 10 to, you know, into my 20s, I've been playing competitively. And I found that for me, my entry into tennis was very, very playful you know, my mom came home, she had started playing tennis, and she loved it, she absolutely fell in love with it right away, and said, I'm putting Emmy into tennis, and so I got into a summer camp at six years old, and I was the youngest one, and my tennis coaches were all brothers and sisters, I think it was a brother and two sisters, and they were probably in their like late teens, I think at the time, and They called me Jigglebum, that was my nickname because when you wait at the baseline for a serve, you know, the pros do this thing where they kind of like sway from their hips and like I used to imitate that as a kid. (laughs) And so they called me Jigglebum because I must have done it in a really cute way. And so that was my nickname, and I was just always, yeah, it was fun. It was playful, and I had so much fun with it. And no matter how beet red my face got and how tired I was and how hot I was and thirsty I was, I still loved it, and I still had so much fun with it. And that was my entry into tennis. And, you know, I mean, that playfulness didn't necessarily last <laughs> even for another couple years. It it got pretty serious, pretty competitive right away. Um and I kind of wish that I did continue that playfulness even for myself but you know I mean I didn't have that own awareness of myself at that time but um I think at least having that kind of entry into tennis you know I was naturally athletic I picked it up pretty quickly and so it worked that playfulness worked and I do remember I think in my yeah I was I think I was a, yeah I was a teenager and I joined another um tennis club that we took over you know it was all kids and we had taken over I think 10 courts or eight courts and we had you know I think five coaches and we would blast the music like the radio we would just blast it it was taking up the entire neighborhood and we would just blast music and we would play for hours and it was just so much fun I remember that so clearly and I remember the playfulness of that and being able to play tennis for hours and hours on end to music was like, I was in heaven. I mean, I really was in heaven. And um, so yeah, this playfulness, I'm really trying to consciously and intentionally bring it back into my life. And approaching things, you know, now that I'm in my mid 30s, like I got I realized how serious I got with my life, you know, I got so way too serious about things and I mean perhaps it's because I was you know going through some deep deep trauma healing and you know healing from abuse and all these things you know life got really serious but um laughter and humor and playfulness is so crucially important to me and anyone in my life who knows me in real life knows that like I am known to be someone who laughs at literally everything um you know I remember growing up kids at my tennis camp would be like oh my god I would never invite you to my funeral like you would just laugh through the whole thing <laughs> I was like I would not come on give me a break but um but I mean I was known for my laugh you know I was known for my laughter and I think when it comes to laughter and humor that's more from my spleen and I've read you know elements of there's almost this like counterbalance of the spleen being related to fear and it's like the fear mining it's the fear processor of the body graph right so being a splenic authority i have a special relationship when it comes to fear fear of what you know the fears that come up in my life i have a really intimate relationship with and when it comes to how i what my antidote is it's humor you know and i i've had two therapists now over the years that find it so intriguing that i laugh at myself and i laugh at my trauma or i laugh at my reactions to my trauma and to me i'm like how can i not like it's actually like when i see when i look at myself and my life and the actions i've taken and the behavior that i had in response to good or bad situations There's so many things in my life that I have to laugh about because to me, I'm like, do you not see the irony of how, like how ironic it is that I would behave that way or that I would react that way? Like it's, I don't, I don't know other, any other reaction than to laugh at myself. (laughs) So my therapists sometimes have like pointed out like is it because you're nervous right now and I'm like no I'm not nervous I'm just like can't you see the irony of it like it's hilarious it's comedy to me it's comedic you know and and that's not to say that it's taking away from the seriousness of the gravity of the pain or the gravity of my actions or the gravity of like wow how dissociated I was because of a reaction to trauma like you know I'm not taking away from the gravity and the seriousness and the absolute tragedy of some of my life experiences but to me it's like I don't know it's funny like it's just like I think when I just pan out and I look at my life from a bird's eye view and I see this whole trajectory of my life there are certain situations that I'm just like If I was an alien, or if I was God, or if I was an angel out there, or if I was like my ancestor or something, I would laugh because it's like, look at this little, I think what it is, is like I can put myself into this tiny significance where obviously in real time I can't, like I usually am like deep in the depths of my despair, but then when I pan out and I look at my life, I'm like, oh my God, like it's actually so insignificant in in the context of this universe. And in the context of like this planet, and it's funny. I just don't know how else to explain it. It's just funny. (laughs) So anyway, if there's any therapists out there who listen to this, I hope you can see if you have a patient that laughs, you know, at themselves and what they've done in the past, maybe they're a splenic authority. I don't know. Or maybe they have a spleen defined. Anyway, the point is, that is my spleen. That is my relationship to humor. I find a lot of things funny. I also, it's a really bad habit, but sometimes during arguments with my partner, and he probably hates this, but I i pan out during our argument, and I go to the bird's eye view, and I look at us, and I watch... The con, conver- you know, the conversation that we just had in the last ten minutes, and I replay it to myself, and I'm like, oh my god, this is actually like so hilarious because it's so not as big of a deal as we're making it out to be. <laughs> and so I start giggling during arguments, and I've done this with a friend once before, and he fucking lost it on me. But he was like, how can you laugh at me right now? What's so funny? What are you laughing about? And. <laughs> It's really not good because obviously it can hurt people's feelings and people think I'm laughing at them and how silly they are, but I'm really laughing at all of us. Like I'm laughing at the whole situation because I laugh at myself all the time at how serious I take things and the gravity of things. And then I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, actually, you know what I think it is? I'm having an aha moment right now is that, you know, when you're like scared of a big sound or you're scared that someone just startled you. Or, you know, you think about the things that you were scared of when you were a kid and now as an adult, you kind of can laugh about it because it's like, oh my God, it actually was so insignificant. You know, like I think that's what it is, but on like a grander scale. I hope you get what I mean. I hope other people get what I mean. <laughs> other splenic authorities get what I mean. So back to the playfulness thing with the two line, I think that if you are a two line, if you're... um you know, a 2-4, a 6-2, what have you, whatever the 2 is in your profile, I encourage you to really lean into your playfulness, you know, especially if you've become an adult and you are like, man, I miss being silly and I miss approaching life in a silly way. And like, why do I take my life so seriously? And why is everything so scary and intimidating? And like, I feel restricted to live my life and try things and to experiment with things and to... You know, um, maybe play with your talents and skills that you've always wanted to try, but you're scared to. And I think maybe this is, you know, they talk about how the profile lines are actually a cycle. And so it's not like a linear thing, but like it progresses from one to two to three to four to five to six. And six to one, right? And so it's like this process of evolution and perhaps this playfulness is exactly the characteristic that we need to lean into in order to then embrace the three-line evolution, right? To evolve into the three-line that is so not afraid of trial and error, that is actually looking at every single fail quote-unquote failure or mistake as a lesson learned and that is gold, you know? Like it's every trial is worth it because you're going to gain it in the end. And maybe this is the entryway. Maybe playfulness from the two line is the entryway into the three line trial and error. So I hope that's inspiring for you. I know that that was inspiring for me, I have to say. Um I always love when I do these podcasts cuz I give myself my own aha moments. Um so yeah, play I was just about to say play with yourself. I mean, yeah, definitely play with yourself. <laughs> and embrace the humor if you are a slenic authority. Life is honestly not that fucking serious. It's, I mean, I literally just heard my own voice being like, yeah, Emmy, fuck, you need to learn that yourself. Um, and we need to just remember that, like, life is messy. It's a crazy wild ride. We're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we're going to be on our knees, bawling our eyes out in despair with snot coming out of our nose hugging a toilet you know I've been there and I probably will be at some point again in my future like who's to say I'm not going to and you know it's just a wild and crazy life this thing we call life so if you are a two-line you're here to play you're here to play and then share those gifts with people and I don't know if you've ever heard this but there is a um scientific study that talks about how memorization and learning is actually like a bajillion, I don't know the exact figure, but like a bajillion times more effective through play. And so there's actual schools around the world that are incorporating play into their curriculum and that being the medium to learn something, because it's that much easier to memorize it, it's that much easier to understand the concepts. A lot of times the play is far more uh, experiential as well, and so there's of course lots of studies and research talking about how experimental, experimental learning and learning through doing is a great way for many people to learn. I'm certainly no expert when it comes to, you know, educational curriculum and and learning styles, but I did come across that. And I thought that was interesting in combination with this playfulness that I'm trying to lean into as a two line. So, yeah, have fun, play, make mistakes, do silly things. You know, one of the things I recently did was I posted a um, video with like a filter of a TV screen and my face is in the TV screen to make it look like I'm talking on TV. And I did this silly thing. I didn't even like fully lean into it. Like I really could have fully leaned into it, but I think it's like a lot more intimidating when you're showing your face on video. So anyway, um, but I did this thing where I was like, um, breaking news. Thanks for tuning into CBC News. We have an update from Emmy at Expansive Evolution, and she is going to update us on, you know, the latest news. And so then it pans to me speaking, and I'm like, oh, I have new updates in my services and offerings. Anyway, for those of you who saw it, I'm sure you were like, okay, she only, like, half asked it. She didn't fully commit. Um, at least that's how I felt when I watched it back. But I posted it anyway because I was like, okay, this is the beginning of my silliness, and I'm putting it out there. And it was kind of fun, actually. Um So I'm learning. I'm learning to lean into it. I'm learning to lean into it on video. It's certainly a lot easier for me to do it on audio. I don't know why, but it is. So thanks for watching me in my process of deconditioning. And I hope that this is helpful and inspiring for you if you're a two-line or if you're a two-line manifester. This certainly applies to our impact and our initiating, right? as a manifestor, playfully initiating. It sounds like a hell of a lot of fun to me. So I hope that you're doing well with your expansive evolution journey. If you ever need support or help with it, I'm available for readings and coaching and have a beautiful week.